please be seated. Let's pray. Oh God, we know that you are mighty, that you are the one who created this world and that you put us here in this time and this place. We know that you are mighty because we can see the mountains, we can see the oceans, we can see handiwork of you. And God, we know that you are great and that you are powerful. But what sometimes we forget, God, is that you are the one who gently and softly loves us, that you are the one who cares about us and desires relationship with us. That God, that as we go through life, that you are not just concerned about making sure the earth stays together, but that our lives stay together as well. That God, you want to know us intimately, that you care about us, that you want relationship with us. Father, one of the things that keeps us away from that relationship is our mistakes, our sinfulness, our struggles. Father, we do the things that we don't want to do, and we don't do the things that we wish we could do. And so, God, we're just going to take a moment, each of us right now, to just go to you, to just go to you and ask for forgiveness. Father, just lay all our mistakes and struggles and trials and issues on the table in front of you. Allow you to forgive and allow us to be able to move on. Let's just do that right now, each of us individually. Father, forgive us of those things, Lord, and as we come today to talk about just finding success in an economic mess, Father, may you help us to find success in our lives. You don't desire that we struggle through this life and and be miserable. You desire that we serve you, and as a result of that, that your perfect plan for our lives will come to pass, it will come to fruition, it will come to place in our lives. And Father, we ask that. Lord, we want to follow your plan for our lives, not our own plan. It's difficult, I know. And so we ask that you would just give the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our lives to make your plan a reality. Lord, that may we glorify you all the days of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How long have you been doing this, Jack? Oh, six months. It's great. Next month, I'm going to run in a 1K. Would you believe it? Before I started this, I I couldn't fit into these clothes. I feel better. I look better. I sweat better. Yeah, so you called my office. What, did you have some good news for me? Good news? When you hear what I got for you, just remember, this is a conservative club. Don't rip off my shoes and kiss my feet. You don't have to worry about that. You asked for an apartment? Something uh, nice yet affordable? Uh, Jack, could you sweat the other way, please? Wally, will you listen to me? Not if you keep calling me Wally. Oh. What is, what is that? What is that? Oh, it's nothing. It's, it's a pulse alarm. Well, then maybe we should stop. No, no, no. These things are unreliable. Walter, can you get your hands on $200,000 by close of business Friday? Well, let me see. If I sell everything I own, maybe I can buy you lunch. Jack? Jack? Jack, are you all right? I'm fine, really. Take it easy, Mr. Schnippman. Has this ever happened before? Yeah. Seven times in the past five months. I thought the jogging was getting you in better shape. It is. Yeah. Thanks to the jogging, now I can lift him into the ambulance. 
Walter. This is a million-dollar house, literally. I just want an apartment. My girlfriend's ex-husband returned from Europe today. That's nice. No, we have to get out of his place now. It's an uncomfortable situation as it is. Why would somebody sell a million-dollar house for 200000 Who knows? A divorce, loan sharks, drugs, sudden death. The point is, you get to capitalize on a fellow human being's misfortune. That's the basis of real estate. We got a deal? Okay, now this movie was done about 20 years ago, so it's kind of uh, <laughs> looking forward to the future, right? Uh, or maybe that's the way it's always been. And so we see in this movie clip about how, you know, greed and just our desire to for short-term solutions sort of runs our life, you know, that um, even today if someone came to us, even after all we've been through, I, I would say it like this. I would go so far as to say that the average American, even, as, even after everything that we've been through with the housing crisis and all this stuff, that the average American, if they were offered something like this, hey, you can, you know, get this really nice house for cheap, you know, don't worry about payments, don't worry about that, um, you know, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, just go ahead and sign on the dotted line, most Americans would be like, okay, and we do it, right? And the reason is, as we're going to talk about today, is because our human nature, our brokenness, encourages us, <coughs> excuse me, encourages us towards short-term solutions. But the thing is, is that if we want to really be people of worth, people with value in our lives, things and having things of eternal value, those assets that we talked about last week, then it requires us not to have short-term solutions, but to, for us to look to long-term solutions in our lives. Well, we're going through the series, Finding Success in an Economic Mess, um, and uh, really what the basis or the subtext of this series has been over the last couple of weeks is understanding what success is, because as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the world will define success uh, in a variety of ways, which may or may not be useful. In fact, many of them will not be useful. We've talked about two types of success, or we've alluded to it, which is number one, the world talks a lot about financial success, right? Um, and the world also talks a lot about just popularity and fame and just being a success and being perceived as a success in our world. But the problem is, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, is that what? That on the day when our life ends, on that day when we go into the ground, that we are not a success by the world's standard. No one is a success by the world's standard because on that day, no one is wealthy. Everything that they've earned, everything that they have taken, everything that they have gotten has passed from them to someone else. So nobody finishes life as a financial success. And we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. Um, but if we want to have success in our lives, and we look to the Bible to define success for us, what does it mean to be successful? Um, we're going to talk about some of these issues today. We talked about last two weeks and next week as well. So here's our strategy. Um, the first week we talked about learning to work backwards. And uh, in that week, if you remember, we talked about the fact that as we go through economic crisis, as it does happen um, from time to time in, in our world, in fact, if you look back to the history of the world, basically it's always like this, right? We've talked about this in the past. It's never like this. It's always ups, always downs. One week we're up, one week we're down. One week the market's up, one week the market's down. So we talked about learning to work backwards because in a time of economic shortfall, our temptation is to, is to focus and to really get crazy about what we're lacking, what we need, what we're missing, right? You know, we can all think about all the things that we are missing, all the things that we need, all the things that we want, all the things that we wish we could have. And so the first week we talked about realigning our minds and our brains in this way and our hearts because instead of starting with what we don't have, 
to instead start with what we do have, right? We talked about how there are things that all of us have, those things that, as we talked about in the second week, those assets, those major assets that we all have that are really important and that will build long-term success in our lives. Now, the second week um, we talked about, last week, we talked about major versus minor assets. And we talked about the fact that, you know, when, as we go through life, it's easy to view money and possessions as a major asset. And if you remember last week, I showed you the movie clip um, of that guy who just got a new Porsche, right? I mean, he got a promotion, and he got a brand new Porsche, and he was so excited because now he felt like a real man, and he drove it out of the parking lot, and what happened on the way out of the parking lot? Crash, right? He ran, and he wasn't paying attention. He was so excited about the car, and he, got, he ran into another driver, right? And his car was basically wrecked. And so the Bible talks about how money and possessions are in and out. They come and they go all the time, and it is not a major asset. Money and possessions are minor assets. They are not major assets. Our world convinces us that they are major assets. But major assets are things that you can build your life on, okay? Um, like, for example, if you're married here today, um, hopefully you consider your spouse to be a major asset, right? Why is she a major asset? Because whether you are rich or whether you are poor, she still loves you, right? Uh-huh, okay, so we got to work on that, right? Because it's tempting for us to say again that maybe they're not major assets. We also talk about how God is a major asset in our lives. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to claim that God will provide everything that we need, which seems very weird and radical in a way because I can think of lots of things I need, right? And we can get into that debate about wanting and needing. But the Bible literally says that God is an asset, and we are to rely on him as such. Now, it doesn't mean he's only that, um, but that he is capable of basically meeting our needs when we rely on him. So today we're going to talk about the secret to timing, which is really not any secret at all. Anyone who's ever had a basic financial class um, knows this. Anyone who's ever read anything about it. But the problem is not what we know, it's what we do. It's the same thing in faith as well, right? I mean, there's lots of people who go to church on Sunday and they know what they're supposed to do, but doing it is a whole other thing. And by the way, doing it is really what matters. It's not the knowing at that point. So today we're going to talk about the secret of timing because the problem is, is that in our lives, we all, me, you, all of us, tend to be focused on the short term rather than long term. And as much as we can define our lives by the long term, the far more success that we will enjoy and success God's way, not the world's way. Okay, so let's talk about this. We're going to see what the Bible says. Usually I take a whole passage and I break it down, but because this series is a little bit unusual, um, then I'm just kind of skipping around in the Bible, so we will do that as well, although it's printed on your handout. So okay, let's start with a problem. Um, this series, I've been basically introducing um, each message with the problem and then talking about the solution, okay? So we're going to introduce another problem this morning, and then we're going to work towards the solution. Here's the problem, that we focus too much on short-term gains. We focus too much on short-term gains. As, as a person who goes through the world, you, me, all of us, we tend to focus too much on short-term gains. Let me give you an example. If I were to be given $100, someone, say, you know, came over and said, hey, pastor, um, you know, I'd like to give you $100 for whatever reason, um, and I get $100, and, and I go to the mall, that $100 is going to do what in my pocket? Burning. It's going to be burning. I'm going to grab my wallet. It's going to be burning. It's going to be shaking. It's going to be saying, spin me, spin me, spin me, right? If 
I could do it like that high pitch, send me, send me, send me, right? That's what it's going to be doing. And, and so the problem is, is that we go to the mall, we go down to Santana Row, we go to the, you know, the outlet mall, we go wherever, and anywhere we go in our world, that money is going to be sitting there going, send me, send me, send me, right? And the problem is we'll say, oh, you know what? I haven't had a, haven't had, you know, this happened the other week. I, I was with Wyatt at one of the malls here, and I had, I had not had Orange Julius. You know what they are, the Orange Julius, you know? Yeah, I, I hadn't had those in like, since I was a little kid, right? Because they closed down, I guess, on the East Coast where I was from. I didn't even know they were still in existence, right? Um, and I saw one of the malls, like, oh, really? It's cool. Let's go get it. And if you work for Orange Juice, no offense to you, but I went and I got one. It was like six bucks for one, right? I couldn't believe how expensive it was. I was like, wow. So out that went, that six bucks out of my pocket, just like that. So the thing is, is that here's the problem. The problem is not that I bought an Orange Julius that I shared with my son, but the problem is, is that as we go through life, there is a temptation and a pressure to spend on a short-term basis. I mean, let's be honest. The reason why the mall is designed as it is, the reason why stores are designed as it is, is to do what? Get you to do what? Spend money, right? And spending money in and of itself is not wrong, but when we spend solely based on short-term goals or short-term needs, it leads us into problems. It, it causes issues in our lives unless we are extremely disciplined. Discipline. And by the way, when I mean extremely disciplined, I mean more disciplined than me and more disciplined than a lot of people, right? If the store was not interested in you spending money, they would just put everything in a box and it would just be labeled on the box and you could just get it or something like that. But instead they have it there looking so nice and looking so sweet. And so it encourages us to focus on short-term goals. By the way, the, the, whole, the whole basis of publishing, like the magazine industry and all that sort of thing too, um, is to be able to get you to spend. And by the way, spending and buying is not, again, is not necessarily bad, but we want to be successful, right? If you're here this morning, it's because you want to be successful. And true success is not going to come by buying the latest fill-in-the-blank. We talked about that first week, the latest Prada bag, the latest car, the latest whatever. That will, be, that will give you the illusion of success. But again, when you, the day that you pass from this world, that car is going to be in the junkyard, that bag is going to be at the Goodwill store. Your money is going to be gone. You will have nothing, and your success will be defined by something other than your money and something other than your possessions. So if you want to have success by the Bible's version of success, it is built upon long-term growth and not short-term gain. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 13:11 says, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. You know what? I'm in my mid-30s, right? And um, you would think that as you get older, you would get more <laughs> wiser. Well, <laughs> we already did that in our wisdom series, right? You don't get more wiser as you get older, right? <laughs> uh, but you would think you would get more uh, effective at, you know, when you come across a get-rich-quick scheme, that you get more effective at realizing that's what it is, right? Um, but... Eh, not so much, right? You, I mean, it's, it's still hard because they always think of ways, you know, to basically get you to spend your money um, and with the lure of more money, right? Because that's where it comes in, that we think that if we can just get rich, that it will make our lives better. But again, the problem with this is, is what? As we talked about last week, that if we look to be successful in life, that God says he will provide everything that we need. Not some of what we need, but everything that we need. And so if we rely on God instead of ourselves, then we will be far more profitable and far more successful. Wealth from hard work grows over time. That's in Proverbs 13. Let's talk about this a little bit. The pressure of finances pushes a short-term outlook. Um, 
most people in America live, uh, I won't say most, but a majority certainly live pay, what's called paycheck to paycheck, or they live within a short range of economic, um, they live within a short parameters of their, of their economic situation, meaning like if they suddenly had to pay $10,000 because a hurricane took the roof off their house, they wouldn't be able to do it, right? Um, and a lot of Americans live that way. Uh, in fact, I would say it's a majority, certainly over 50% do. Um, I'll be honest with you, you know, I mean, Noelle and I have had a lot of financial struggles moving out here. It's so expensive area, you know, that we, we live this way too. I mean, so I'm right there with most of you guys. And, and what happens is I notice is that because there's always pressure, there's always pressure on us financially and on you financially, that it, it forces us to always look at short-term issues, right? Because we're always thinking about how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to pay this thing? And, 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 and if something happens, like you get in an accident or, you know, your house, you know, has termites and you, you have to pay the $600 for the guy to come and fix it or whatever the case may be, and, and you feel like, Phew. you know, I got through that, you know, all right, I got through that. Now the next couple of months are going to be easy sailing. I'm going to store up some money. I'm going to be able to do something meaningful. But it does, right, then it's already shaking the head. It doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen because life's not like that. Life is always a continuous series of punches to the face or, you know, blows to the body, if you will. Now, some of you may say, well, that's an overly pessimistic point of view of life, but uh, I don't think so, in my opinion, right? If they ask the average person. That's the way it is. That's the way it feels like. We, we know that, by the way, if, if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus, you know why that is, right? Because the Bible talks about that there is sin, there's brokenness in our world, and that brokenness affects everything, right? That brokenness affects everything, and it just taints and damages and destroys everything. And, and so there is no purity. There is nothing that we can ever uh, see in our lives or hold on to that's perfectly pure uh, outside from God himself, okay? And so there are things that, that are close to purity um, because God has blessed it. But they, even in our lives, they're still broken. And so the pressure of finances ultimately creates, it pushes a short-term outlook. It keeps saying, focus on the short-term, focus on the short-term. Here's the danger, though, and here's the fear. Because if you and I spend all our lives focused on the short-term, what will happen? What will be the sum and result of our lives? If we always focus on the short-term. There will be, that's right, there will be no long-term, everything, the day that we are sitting on our hospital bed, knowing that today is the day that we're going to die, we're thinking, man, how do I pay the termite guy 600 bucks for just doing the termites? Do I have enough money in my checking account? Honey, give me my checkbook, let me fill it out, my last check, now I can pass from this world, right? And what ends up happening is that our focus is so short-term that we never actually spend time on our long-term. But to have success, it requires us to focus on our long term. I mean, let me just ask this question. I'm going to come back to it later. If you knew that you had, and this is a popular theme in movies nowadays recently, a couple of movies come out, but if you knew you only had one year to live, what would happen? Well, a lot of us would change our perspective real quick, right? If we knew we only had one year to live, we would change our perspective and we'd start asking questions like what? What do I want to accomplish before I die? But the problem is, is that we live 70, you know, on average, we live 70 years and only in the very, 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 very end do some of us ask that question. Instead, right now, no matter how old you are, how young you are, you should ask yourself, I've got 10 more years to live. What do I want to do with those 10 years? What do I want to be known for? What, what do I want when I stand before God? What do I want to be able to lay at his feet? 
Do we want to be able to lay a lifetime of worry about the minute little bills that we have to pay? Or worried about how we could pay our bills because we bought that beautiful Gucci pair of whatever, right? Or do we want a life that's defined a little bit differently than that? See, um, oh, let me just mention this. We spend our lives paycheck to paycheck, short term, rather than asking God, what should I do with my life long term? What should I do with my life? What am I here for? You know, if you're like me, this question bothers me all the time. Unfortunately, I think this is where my personality and some of your personality differ. Because I know there's people who never ask this question. And I don't know why, but I think it's a personality issue. And I don't mean good or bad, I just mean it's a different ways, you know, there's optimists in the world, there's pessimists in the world, there's, you know, different personality types. But I, I want to make sure that all of us are asking this question, what is God put me here for? I know it's not just to spend money and to die broke. I know that's not it, okay? And so this is a question that's really critical. The fluidity of money makes us focus on the short term. This is also a part of the problem, too. Because, you know, if I could, I say to myself, man, if I could just get X amount of dollars, if I could just get um, a small college fund for my kids, if I could just get three months of salary, something, just picking something out of the air, uh, saved up in the bank where I didn't touch it, you know what I mean? If I could just get my 401k, you know, good, if I could just get retirement good, then I would be, I'd be ready to rock. I mean, pastor, I'd be like totally listening, like, I'm ready to, to figure out what I'm supposed to do now. But the problem is the fluidity of money discourages that because money is easy come, easy go. And because it is by its very nature very fluid, it's very hard for us to put, draw a line on it and say, this resource or this financial thing or this money or this issue in my life is going to be permanent. How many of you carry money? No, let me ask this question different. How many of you... How many of you have ever put, like, a lucky $1 bill in your wallet? Has anybody ever done that? Just out of curiosity. Anybody done that? Be honest. Okay. Do you still have it? No. No. No, you don't, right? Why not? Because it's too fluid. It's too fluid, right? It's too easy to come and go. And so the problem is because finances come and finances go, possessions come and possessions go, it makes us focus on the short term rather than the long term. I mean, I can think back to when, and you guys can do it too, but I can think back to when I was like 18 or 19, and there was something I really, really wanted, like it was going to change my life, like this pair of shoes, you know, or this pair of pants, or, or this, I don't know, this toy, or this, you know, th uh, fun thing, you know. It's going to totally change my life. And the question is now... Did it really change my life? Well, maybe if it, it caused some cataclysmic event in my life, it might have, you know, maybe if I bought the right shirt to wear on the date with the girl I married, then, okay, fine, that was a good investment perhaps, you know what I mean? But, but most of the things that we acquire because we're looking towards the short term are things that ultimately don't really benefit our lives in a major way. Now, again, I'm not being anti-money or anti-spending here. I'm just saying that because we're in a time of economic crisis, that what happens is, is that it, it challenges our venue of success and we become much more bearish and we make our success based on our money. Or we look to things like our money to solve our problems, but money will not solve our problems. Money is fluid. It is a minor asset. It will not solve our problems. 
Because money comes and money goes, we tend to think about primarily a short-term use. Okay, so there's the problem that we have. We all have this problem. Let's talk about the solution. The problem is our short-term focus. Let's talk about the solution here. Okay, we must see success over the long term. Now, this goes without saying, I know, but we'll break it down a little bit. We must see success over the long term. And here's the thing. The challenge is for us is to be able, as we go through life, is to be able to figure out a way to see things over the long term. Now, just as a basic investment principle, we know that investing over the long term is investing better than investing over the short term, right? And so the Bible talks about this as well because it's, the Bible wants us to invest our lives in things that will be successful over the long term. Um, if, if, if I were to give each of you an option, um, especially if you have kids, this will be an easier, easier uh, dis- demonstration here. But if, let's say I were to give each of you $1,000. <coughs> Excuse me this morning and and I say you can only spend the thousand dollars one of two ways you can either a spend it on a, an inheritance for your kids okay or you could spend it on um, a uh, pick on the ladies with the Prada bag so let's pick on something else uh, you could go out and buy a Wii with rock band I don't know which one is Wii and which one's PlayStation so forgive me uh, you go out and buy a Wii and a PlayStation and Xbox and Rock Band and all that stuff with your thousand dollars. It's probably more than a thousand dollars. You can buy all that stuff. Which one are you going to do if you're married and you have kids? Which one are you going to do? <clears throat> well, hopefully, uh, you're going to say you'd rather do the inheritance, right? Because it'd be nice to leave your kids something, right? And you know that the Rock Band is going to be, you know, I mean, a couple years from now, it's going to be like Pong. That's what it's going to be like. Remember Pong with the dit dit dit, and you know it bounced back and forth, right? And that was so cool. I mean, when it came out, that was so cool. And now it's like, like who would ever play that? You know, unless you're like retro and have it on the iPhone or something. Okay. The thing is, though, is that we must see success over long term. What happens is we know that we want long term success, but doing it is the problem because our desires would be to what? Let's just take the rock band and we can enjoy it now. And the Bible talks about that. You know, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? From Ecclesiastes. I mean, also Jesus mentioned that too, that that is sometimes, a lot of times, our attitude. But for success to come, it has to be over the long term. The Bible says something interesting in Proverbs here. Um, It says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches doesn't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Now, this is very deep, uh, unusual proverb, even for Proverbs. But the gist, part of the gist of this uh, statement is that as we look at our lives, it's really important that we do the things now that matter, because that's what really will make a difference. If we spend our time just enjoying life and spending and earning and spending and earning, right, that we will never really be able to gain the contentment and the joy and the greater things in life as we would if we focused on them first. Remember, we talked about the statistic uh, two weeks ago that if you're, tw- if you're 21 years old, that you'll spend $2.2 million in your lifetime. The average 21-year-old today will spend $2.2 million in their lifetime. And if you know all of us had $2.2 million, we would go crazy right now. But the thing is, it's not what we will spend because we're all going to spend it whether we like it or not. The issue is whether or not we live our lives knowing and caring for what is going on in our life to make them a success. That is really what is the question, and is it what 
is an issue for us. We do not have the power to time success for our lives. Now, here's where we get the rubber meets the road, because this is, this is really critical. We do not have the power to time success for our lives. Let me give some examples here. Let me see if I got some slides. Um, now, let me give a let me give a uh, let, let me give a story first, and then I'll do that. So, so the thing is, is that well, let's talk about what this means to time success. Um, if you moved here in 2006 or seven, I'm not sure the exact time, 2006 or seven, and you bought a house at 2006 or 2007 at the very top of the market, right? That would be considered what bad timing, right? Um, if you came here a couple months later after the crash, and then you bought a house, assuming you could get the loan, that would be considered what? Good timing, right? And so there's lots of people out there right now who are trying to buy houses, some people, who are trying to buy houses because they feel like now's the buyer's market and they can time the market, um, and they, this is a good time to do it, right? And so we hear a lot about people timing the market, right? And, and, and we, we kind of don't like those people who bought like 30 houses and sold them right at the end, you know, before the crash and cashed out and made a ton of money on, on us, basically. And, and, and so the thing is, is that we are very tempted as people to try to time things. And we buy into that. Why do we buy into timing financially? Why do we buy in timing financially? It's because what? Anybody know? Why do we buy in timing? We buy in, now, I know there's an element of truth to timing. I mean, obviously, there's better times and worse times. But why do we buy into timing financially? We buy into timing financially because it re-emphasizes our short-term desires. That's the reason why. Okay? So because our short-term desire is to get this, get that, get this, need this, need that, right, it emphasizes and re-it sort of hardens our short-term desires. So if t because we always believe that this is the time for something, right? Now's the time to buy. Now's the time to sell. But those times are always short-term. They're almost always short-term, certainly over the span of our lives. Like, hey, guess what? Gold. Have you ever thought about gold? Gold's going up in value. You can buy gold. Get gold today, right? Now's the time. Short-term. That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, so we do not have the power to time success for our lives. Now, here's really the difference. Because here's what happens. What happens is, is that time is not something, we may be able to time the market and be lucky, but we cannot time our lives. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, that we define success, and I just picked something financial and arbitrary, okay? But we define success as giving a tithe of our resources to God. Let's just say that's how we define a part of our success, okay? Just to keep it simple. I could have said things like, you know, going to be a missionary, but it becomes more complicated. So let's just make it simple, okay? Let's say we define success as giving a tithe of our resources to God. And by the way, that means a tithe over our lives, not just a tithe today, okay? So let's say that's an example. If so, we cannot time it to plan on doing it on March 8, 2024. Why can we not do that? For several reasons. Why can we not do that? There's like eight reasons. Give me one or two. What do you think? Well, we may not be here. That's the most obvious one, right? We may not be here, and, we'll, and as we've talked about in other economic series, we'll stand and we'll face God, and, and I don't think he'll, it'll be like this, but just for the sake of discussion, he'll say, oh, you gave 0.01 of your you know, net income or gross income or whatever your life to building up my kingdom. What is that? Is that a penny? <laughs> you know, okay, so maybe we won't be here. What's another reason why? Well, okay, one reason is because we'll have no idea what the tithe will be at that point, you know? We'll say, okay, based on where we're at right now, I can guesstimate what it would be, but we'll have no idea. The third thing is we'd never be able to do it. Why? 
we would never be able to do it because the problem is we're still living for the short term then just as we are now, right? I mean, you can't tell me in a year from now that you're going to save up enough money to buy out your house outright. Let me, let me just break that down for you. Because what happens is we all know that if we could pay off our house tomorrow, right, um, we could pay off the mortgage to our house, that we would be sitting pretty financially, right, because that would be our biggest bill. Most of our biggest bills is in our mortgage usually, okay? So <clears throat> we know how much we make in a year, right? I mean, let's say, you know, we owe $200,000, just arbitrary, $200,000 on my house, I make $50,000 a year. In four years, I could pay off the house. But we never do it, right? Now, I know you got food and minor things, but, but you could eat ramen noodles. You could get it paid off, but we don't do it. We don't do it because we just don't have the discipline to do it. We don't have the perseverance to do it like that. I, I believe me, when I was in college, I knew all kinds of guys. I, I met guys and gals, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a house, and then four years later, I've got a plan to pay it off below me. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen, right? Because life happens. That's why. And so we can't time it. The same is true in the world of finances. We are much better investing over the long term than waiting to time the market, right? I mean, any safe, good, reasonable financial person would tell you that. It's better to invest in something long term than it is to try get-rich-quick schemes, right? Can we agree on that? And so what happens is, is that if we want our life to be a success, we cannot try a get-right-with-God-quick scheme or we will not be successful. Let me say that again. If we want to be successful in life, if we want to be rich in our relationship with God, as the Bible says, we cannot use a get rich, get right quick with God scheme because it won't work. The only way to build success in our lives is to build it over the long term, over the long haul the only way, the only way to do it. Our greatest assets are not really timeable anyway. And this alludes to what I was saying a minute ago, because when we look at it, we cannot time God. We cannot time our spouse, right? I mean, we cannot say, okay, honey, you know, I'm going to ignore you for a whole 364 days out of the year, and then one day I'm going to lavish you with more love than you have ever seen in your life. What's going to happen? You're not going to get to three day 365, are you? It's not going to happen. A and so the, the thing is, is that you can't time relationships. You can't time people. You can't time your greatest assets. Why? Because your greatest assets are built slowly over time. Built slowly over time. Listen, and I see this over, I see this as being a tripping point for people over and over. I mentioned this before here, but I see this tripping point for people over and over again because people will have a short-term approach to their relationship with God, right? Something bad will happen in their life. Something bad will happen in their life. They'll be in church every Sunday. They'll, they'll be writing on the green card, pastor, pray for this, pastor, pray for that. And then as soon as it's over with, what do they do? Never seeing them again, right? Never seeing them again because, never see them again because they're trying to time God and they're trying to get right with God quick, you know, and it just doesn't really work. You know, I, I, I have to say too that while I'm happy, ha <clears throat> man, my voice this morning, uh, while I'm happy um, and actually happy is not the right word, joyous when I go to the hospital and someone who is dying accepts Jesus as their savior, 
I mean, that makes me extremely happy. It makes me, it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because they never say, Pastor, I never heard about the gospel. Um, can you tell me so I can know Jesus? They always say, Pastor, I was given so many opportunities over my life. I, re- I just never followed God. I just ignored him. I realized how foolish it was now. I mean, verbatim, this is what I'm telling you. This is what people say. I've, I can't believe how foolish I was, but can you please tell me how to know Jesus? I want to make sure that I'm with him when I die, right? But let me tell you, they spend 95% of that conversation talking about how they wish they'd done life differently. That's what they do. How they wish they'd served the Lord differently. And so the thing is, you can't time it. And by the way, those people are very, I don't know what word you want to use, there is no word in English language, lucky, blessed, I don't know, because they have the chance to make that final decision before they die. A lot of us don't get that opportunity. A lot of us, unfortunately, go quicker than we may realize, um, and it's not really uh, possible. And so it makes it unlikely if it's not just impossible for us to time anything. Our greatest assets are not really timeable anyway. This is like the person who says, next week I'm going to stop working 100 hours a week and start spending more time with my family. But as we all know, next week does what? Never comes, right? We could say, next week I'm going to start really spending more time with God or spending time with God. Let's do it that way, right? But next week never comes. Next week I'm never going, I'm, I'm going to get out of this lifestyle and I'm going to be more better in my walk with God. Next week, I'm going to share the gospel with my friends and my family members so that they can go to heaven too. Next week, I'm going to start supporting the ministry of the kingdom, whether it be BBC or uh, CPC, you know, uh, crisis pregnancy or whatever. I'm going to start supporting them financially. I'm going to start supporting them emotionally, prayerfully, spiritually, helping out with my hands, my talents, my time, my resources, all that. Never happens. It never happens. It never happens. Why does it never happen? It never happens unless it's already happening, right? Because you look around, there'd be people, yeah, oh, I know that. Yeah, that guy really does a lot. Why does that guy really do a lot and I don't really do a lot? Because you just got to do it. And you just got to start. The secret to timing is just doing it. The se- you know, you can't time your family and say, I haven't spent any time with them for a year and now I'm going to spend one day just lavishing them. It won't work. But you could just start today doing it, right? Uh, Let's take it to financial. The easiest way to save for retirement is just to do what? Start saving a little bit of money today. However you have to make it work, you just do it. And that's the best way. You go to any financial planner, they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, Any good and not trying to get you to go into get-rich-quick schemes will tell you that just start saving today. And that's the best way, just a little bit every single day is the best way of doing it. You know, uh, uh, in my last church, um, I, me and a buddy of mine, we had a guitar instruction clinic. We called it the guitar clinic. And basically it was for kids and older people, whoever, didn't matter, to come in and learn how to play guitar. And, um, you know, even here, I've had a lot of people ask me about it, and I'd love to do a guitar clinic here at some point. Um, just people who just want to learn to play guitar, that'd be awesome. Um, and a lot of people actually already asked me about it, and so we've, we've talked about the possibility of doing it. But here's always the problem. This is always a problem. People ask me, well, Pastor, how, you know, and I know Ramir and professional musicians, just c- close your ears to this. It's fine. But, uh, but for non-professional musicians, they'll ask me, they'll say, Pastor, how long, uh, what do I have to do to play guitar? And I'll say, look, if you, uh, if you practice for about 15 minutes a day, every day for about a, you know, eight months, year, you'll be able to play all the basic chords. You can play any praise song we do on Sunday morning. Maybe not perfectly, but you can play it, right? Just, just, just eight, you know, every day, 15 minutes for, for eight months or so. 
and you, you'll have no problem doing it, right? And what's the problem there? That's pretty short term, eight months, you know? That's pretty short term, but what's, what's the problem? <laughs> you got to start doing it. You have to actually carve out 15 minutes of your schedule and start doing it. And that's always the problem. Because when we had the guitar clinic, we had like 30 people show up. And the next week, we have how many? Four. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. We would. Why? Because they're not willing to commit to a little bit of time every day. And so the thing is, is that if we want to have success in our lives, it doesn't come towards the short term. Because I know they want to be, you know, uh, I'm going to really show my age if I mention people's names here. Uh, they want to be, you know, Paul McCartney, you know, John Lennon or somebody, you know, uh, George Harrison, whatever. They, they want to be these guys playing, right? I picked somebody more classic. Nobody make fun of me. Uh, and so they want to be them, and they want to be them when? They want to be able to play guitar when? Now, right? Not eight months from now, now. And so the thing is, we also want everything now, we want it now, but we don't get it now, and we don't get success by giving up just because it doesn't come now. But by the way, let me just point out for everyone who attends church, right? I say that a little bit sarcastically, because hopefully you're not just attending, but actually being a part of a body, the body of Christ. But for all those people who just kind of come in and come out, what are they also doing? It's the same thing, right? That if something doesn't go their way one week, then they just do what? Forget that, right? No stick to it in this. But the problem is when you come to investing, investing requires what? If you start, if you set up a retirement fund for yourself and you give fifty dollars a week, and after the second week you haven't, you don't, it's not fully funded with a million bucks, and you give up, what do you? What does that say about you? Right, well, that's right. Well, and, and Helen points out a good point because what happens is we also, it's a lack of confidence in what the Lord can do in our lives is what it really comes down to. That's right. And so here's the thing. We must define success by the finish. This is how we must define success. Listen, real quickly here as we finish up. The Bible says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And you will receive all that he has promised, right? And it is, requires us to have that endurance, to run the race, as we're going to talk about in a minute, to win it rather than just running it for five minutes and giving up. I know it's tempting to run it for five minutes and give it up. A lot of people do, but to have success in this life, you cannot do that. Listen, the secret to timing is to start now and keep building. That's really the truth. I mean, the secret to having a, a, a retirement fund is to start now, putting money in there a little bit at a time, and eventually it'll build, and when you retire, you'll have some, right? You could try to time it, and, and become a day trader on the internet, and you might be successful that way, but I, sus I would suspect it's a lot of luck and a little bit of skill. You know, there's a, there's a good book called The Wealthy Barber. I read it on finances a long, long time ago. It's like a story that explains finances. I don't necessarily recommend it. It's not Christian, but um, it was a good book. And the interesting thing is, I mean, it's, it's said in that book, it's said it all over, that if all the day traders that were trying to get you money, and this is no offense against financial people, if they could just do it themselves, they'd be rich and they wouldn't worry about you, right? And so that's the problem, right? The problem is, is that it's some skill and a lot of luck. And when we go and try to be day traders on the Internet, we try to time our lives, try to time this market, try to time that market. It's not usually successful. It certainly will not be successful in our relationship with God or our family or any of the other major assets in our lives. At the finish line of life, no one is a financial success. No one. It's impossible. You cannot be. But, my friends, it is possible for you to be a success 
the way that God defines success. It's possible for you to be a success to your family. It's possible for you to be a success to your friends. And most importantly, it's possible for you to be a success to God. And my prayer for you is that you will do that. But it's how do you become a success? In the light of all those people, all those major assets is to do what? Try to time your life to get the milk, the best out of it at the end? Or do you just do what? Just start now. Just start now and decide that this is where you want your life to be. Our success will be defined by our finish, not our attempt. See, this is the thing that worries me and saddens me about people I meet. Because if the Bible is true, they're placing their hope on their attempt. They'll say, well, pastor, you know, I tried to get involved at church, but you know what? They serve donuts without chocolate on them. They serve the glazed donuts, and there's no chocolate donuts. And when I come on Sunday morning, it just drives me crazy. Why can't we have chocolate donuts? Pastor, I can't come to your church because they don't have chocolate donuts there. God, I try. Oh, you don't know how hard I tried to get involved in your church. I did, but they didn't have chocolate donuts. You don't understand. Right? Now, you can take out chocolate donuts, but you could add lots of other things. You know, they didn't meet my needs. They didn't sing the way I like. They didn't raise hands. They did raise hands. Whatever it may be. Take the church out of it. Let's just, we'll use Crisis Pregnancy Center. I went there. And they asked me to do my own paperwork. They asked me to actually clean up the office after I was done. I'm not fooling with that. Who do they think I am? Who do they think they are? Right? But we'll say, oh, God, I tried. I tried. I did a lot. I tried. I tried a lot. I tried hard. I get credit for that, right? Well, unfortunately, according to the Bible, I'm not sure that you get any credit for trying. I didn't look this. I didn't reference every verse on this in the Bible. So I'm just going to say, let's just say for the sake of point this morning. Uh, I'm pretty certain that the Bible doesn't really give you any credit for trying. And I'm going to tell you what, a lot of people, a lot of people that sit in pews, not necessarily BBC, I know, I understand, we have an interesting dynamic here and a good one, but the average churchgoer in America today is going to stand before God with lots of attempts, lots of tries, lots of I wish I could have, I would have, I could have, what's that, I would have, could have, should have, right, whatever that sort of thing is. A lot of attempts, but lots of not success. And so for my prayer for you and my hope for you is that your life will not be defined by attempts, but just rather doing it. What is God calling you to do as a long-term strategy? What is he calling you to do? Because he's calling all of you to do something. You can ignore me. You can stick your fingers in your ear at this point in the message. Uh, But every single one of you, God is calling you to do something, probably several things. And it may be something as simple as just help out here at BBC. It may be as big as starting your own uh, company that will help poor people in San Jose or something. I don't know. I'm just picking random things out of the hat. I don't care what it is. I don't know what it is. Dennis is laughing because they're trying to start their, their mission you know, to bring water to uh, people in, in, in uh, Nicaragua. Just an example. You know? And I know lots of you do other things. I'm not just isolating them, but just as a good example. right? God is calling you to do something. So your only chance at success is to do what? To not talk about it, not attempt it, not try it, not dream about it, but to actually do it. And my fear for a lot of you, and I mean the church in general, more so than BBC, but even in BBC, is that many of you will drift in and out of church, you'll drift in and out of of quote-unquote relationship with God, which is sort of not possible, but you'll do it anyway. 
and, and at the end, you'll say, I tried, but I didn't get anywhere, God. And I'm, according to the Bible anyway, it w- you will be a failure. It will not be a success. And if you're here in BBC, and I've said this to you before, I don't want to get to heaven and it not be, you not life not be a big success for the Lord. Because I'm going to be unhappy with you. And we're going to have some words. I told you. I told you. Come on. What happened? Why'd you fall apart? So our success will be defined by our finish. You know, the Bible says, as we all know, Paul says this, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run, and Which, by the way, is a financial prize, right? So run to win. A big trophy, money, cash, that sort of thing. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Success, that's what it's talking about here. That we want to win our life. We want to run our life so as to win it. That's success. The Bible's talking about success there. And the thing is, the issue, the question that you have to ask yourself is, are you running right now to win it, to have success, or are you running it randomly, running it not for success, running it for false success, running it for any other direction? Let's pray. God, we just come before you this morning, Lord. And uh, maybe there's someone here this morning that says, you know what, God, I, I... you're right, I've been living for myself for a long time, and I want that to end today. I just want to live for you. Um, if you're here this morning, just as a general commitment, and you just want to say, I've got to stop living for myself. I've got to stop trying to time my, my relationship with my family, my relationship with you, God. I want to stop that. I want to just start today making those things the, the success of my life. Just lift up your hand. Anyone here feels that way? I just want a special prayer for you this morning. Okay. God, I just for all those who lift their hands, Lord, I just want you to just encourage them and help them. Give them the wherewithal to make you and make their families and make those major assets the priority in their life. Make their success defined upon those things. Father, for all of us here this morning, Lord, we pray that we would not base our lives on the short term, but, Father, that we would base our lives on the long term, that we would be truly committed to success your way. God, grant it to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, our uh, hope today is that having a long-term strategy for success, um, it is possible we can do it, and that's my hope for you is that you will have that long-term strategy for success.